Welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. I'm your host, Candace Wynn, and for the next few weeks, we're talking about how to have better conversations with the people we lead. That's why we're so excited for you to hear from Brett Talley as he talks about having discipleship conversations in a digital space. Brett is the Vice President of Staff Culture and Development here at Orange, as well as one of the leading voices in student ministry strategy. And at Orange Conference 22, we were blown away by how Brett elevated the conversation around digital discipleship in the breakout that you're about to hear. If you'd like to be a part of conversations like this one, join us at this year's Orange Conference, either in person or digital. You can find out more information at theorangeconference.com. But for now, enjoy this breakout session with Brett Tapp. Hey, my name is Brett, and I am a mix of anxious and excited about this idea of digital discipleship. I'm excited because it's important, but I'm anxious because it's just not easy. There are pieces of this that we may not end up agreeing on or strategies or plans that might be different based on your context. There's an innovation and an exploration piece of all of this that can really be both exhilarating and debilitating. So, During our time today, we're essentially going to be talking through three ideas and questions. Number one, digital discipleship. What is it? What isn't it? And why it really matters. Number two, strategic shifts. What needs to change about our mindset or strategy to have the most effective digital discipleship possible? And then some practical tips. What are some ideas, platforms, examples to spark some innovation when it comes to digital discipleship in your ministry? Now, before we jump into this, I just want to give you a link to write down where you can go and get all of these notes so you don't feel like that you have to try and write everything down as I say it, because it's going to be a quick 20 minutes. So write down brettryantally.com slash OC22. Okay, now that we got that, let's jump into things. Let's start with digital discipleship. What is it? What is it not? And why it matters. With something like discipleship, I think it's important that we get some clarity on what we mean. Because it's one of those words in church world, right, like deep or biblical, that we tend to throw around but often mean different things to different people. And the Hebrew word, yep, we're going to go there. We're talking about the Hebrew words. The Hebrew word for discipleship or disciple is is Talmud. And I've got this friend, Dave, who tells the story about a conversation that he had with a rabbi about the word and how the literal translation for the word is student, but how our understanding of student just doesn't quite do it justice. A student's role is to learn what the teacher teaches. So there's obviously some truth there, but Rabbi Lumen explains that our understanding of apprentice is likely a more accurate portrayal of the word. Because apprentice doesn't just need to learn what the teacher teaches, but they need to learn to do what the teacher does. It's about transforming us, not just informing us. Discipleship is about becoming like Christ, not just learning about Christ. Discipleship happens when there's a personal relationship, not just with Jesus, but with others who are following Jesus. It's not just a systematic or programmatic thing by itself. So the simple definition that we're going to give to discipleship for right now is discipleship is about helping students become like Christ. So the question then becomes how? In what ways are we going to help facilitate that for our students. Of course, there are a lot of answers for that, but essentially for our time today, we're asking the question, how can we use technology to help students become more like Christ? It's not that digital replaces in-person experiences, but they're enhanced through digital 
connection. And why does all of this really even matter? You're probably tuning in because you already think it matters. But just in case you need to help build some tension with your parents or your leadership at church, let me share some stats on why all of this really matters. What we say at Orange a lot is that the church has roughly 40 hours a year with the average student. But to be honest, that number is almost 15 years old. And after everything we've been through over the last few years, it's likely even lower. In 1999, 70% of Americans identified as church members. But in 2021, that number was 47%. And in that same year, in 2021, 24% of religious people say that they attend church weekly. So only a quarter of your most regular churchgoers are showing up on a regular basis. And according to Springtide Research, one of my favorites right now, 25% of 13 to 25-year-olds who identify as religious attend only once a year or less. 19% attend one to three times per month, and 18% attend every week or nearly every week. So according to that study, you're not even getting 25% of your regular students on a weekly basis. The statistics about how high loneliness and anxiety issues are in Gen Z are easily available and quite scary. But Springtide's research also shows us that 78% of 13 to 25 year olds say that they're spiritual. So for a lot of reasons, Gen Z's mental health is worse than a generation's has ever been. And they're connecting in person to their faith communities less than they ever have before. But a vast majority still recognize a deeper need for faith and something spiritual in their lives. Now, this isn't just me railing on culture or the evils of the world, okay? It's just the reality of where we are right now. And I think that we've got to put our focus on not just lamenting those realities, but getting strategic about how we can be the church within them. Dave Adamson, my friend Dave that I talked about earlier, he's one of my favorite voices when it comes to digital discipleship. And I love the way that Dave talks about this idea in his new book, Metachurch, how to use digital ministry to reach people and make disciples that he just released at conference. Check it out, orangestore.com. And here's what he says. Right now, the church needs to be more innovative than ever before, not because of COVID, but because of indifference. And that's where this idea of digital discipleship comes in. Global Web Index says that Gen Z spends eight plus hours a day online. So we have less in-person access to students than we've likely ever had. But if you include the digital world, we also have more access to students than we've likely ever had. And so when you look at those numbers, it's tough to defend the idea that digital discipleship doesn't matter. We're not saying it should replace anything, but it's got to matter. But if you're like me and hundreds of other student ministry leaders that I've talked to over the past few years, you've tried to do some things digitally and most of it just doesn't seem to get traction and we get disappointed and we get frustrated and we likely give up on the idea of having a digital discipleship strategy because we'd rather spend our time doing something else where we see more fruit or something that we're more comfortable with. But sometimes it's not that we're executing our strategy poorly, but that our strategy was off to begin with. I know that's been true for me. For instance, what we see a lot and what I've definitely been guilty of is having a digital presence versus a digital strategy. See, a digital presence is mostly about two things, promotion and content. I'm generalizing, but my digital presence has mostly been about using social media to promote what is going on in my ministry and to share content of what we're talking about. 
And I'm not saying that those things shouldn't be shared through our social media channels. Just that if it's all we're doing, it's a presence. It's not a strategy. It's a billboard. It's not an opportunity to participate. In her book, From Social Media to Social Ministry, A Guide to Digital Discipleship, Nona Jones says, a social media plan focuses on getting people to the building for a couple of hours every weekend, whereas a social ministry strategy focuses on how to help them grow in their faith through social technology after they leave. You need both. And if you only focus on a social media plan, you will build an audience while stopping short of building disciples. So digital ministry is not just about broadcasting what you're doing. It's a different way to engage your students and your families. So here's the proposition I'd like to throw out before we dive into anything else. Number one, we want students to develop vibrant, life-changing, resilient faith of their own. Number two, while our in-person environments, events, and trips, and programs, they're an important part of the puzzle, based on the stats and our own experience, we can recognize that it can no longer be the only thing that we focus on. So, to effectively love and support and reach and disciple the next generation, we have to think creatively and seriously about both our digital presence and strategy. So let's jump into this by talking through some important shifts that we might need to make in our strategy or mindset. The first one I want to talk about is relevancy. Now, relevance is another one of those words that can mean different thing to different people in the church. But when it comes to relevancy, content isn't king. Context is king or queen, to be fair. Now, there have been times where I've watched a Mr. Beast video or some other online brand, and I think to myself, I just can't compete with that. Have you ever been there before? You see what's engaging your students on social media or what's trending, and you get discouraged because you're just not so sure that you can reproduce it. Or you see what other ministries are doing, and you just kind of throw up your hands frustrated because you don't have that kind of budget or that kind of time. That's where I love this mindset shift when it comes to relevancy. It's context, not content. So here's a definition of relevance that Dave talks about in his book that I love. Relevance is meeting someone's need the moment that they need it. So if we ever get stuck in the cycle of thinking like, oh, I need to be on TikTok, or I need to figure out what I need to do with reels, or my YouTube videos should look more like this person, those aren't necessarily bad things to evaluate, but it's got to be more than that. When it comes to digital ministry in 2022, relevance isn't just about jump cuts or the music in the background of our videos. It's about making sure that our content is focused on their actual needs, giving answers to the questions that they're asking, helping them develop the skills necessary to processing them. Using tools like trends.google.com, ads.google.com, and Morning Fame to learn about the most searched questions in your area can really help you narrow down your focus and direction to be as relevant as possible. And it's not just about answering their questions. It's also about giving them the, the language and the tools to navigate the questions that they're asking, not sidestepping them, but walking into the messiness of their questions and the messiness of there not always being clear answers and the importance of helping them develop wisdom in the midst of all of it. Essentially, when it comes to your digital channels, it's not just how good your content is, but it's how relevant it is to your students. So are your digital channels talking about the kinds of questions that your students are asking? Okay, 
So relevance is one mind shift change. Another one is engagement over attendance. So to develop a good digital strategy, I think that we need to adjust some of the ways that we measure things. Of course, tracking attendance and measuring numbers of of who shows up, that's important. Again, we're not talking about replacing things, but it just can't be about getting them to come to us. In student ministry world, we've been beating the drum about the importance of going to where they are for decades. And in the past, that has meant uh, getting into the schools, going to games, getting on their turf. And I think those things are still really effective. But more and more, the broadest example of getting on their turf is digital. It's texting, it's YouTube, it's the 60-year-old small group leader who once the pandemic hit, went out and bought a PlayStation to start playing Fortnite with his boys because it was the only way that he could interact with them. We should still value creating the best experience we can for our students who are showing up, but we have to realize that our potential influence is far greater than that hour or two per week. We have to find ways to go beyond the opportunities where they show up to us and look for creative ways to show up where they are, to remind them that that we're in this corner, to continue to point them toward love and hope and peace and joy and forgiveness. So what are some of those measurements or metrics that we should be valuing to get a better understanding of our impact? Uh, Number one, social media analytics. So maybe we need to make sure that whatever account we have set up in our ministry is set up to give us those kind of analytics. What about the number of parents connected with each week by church communication or the number of parents connected with each week by a small group leader or the number of students connected with each week by a small group leader? And another shift that kind of goes along with this would be helping us focus on roster versus attendance alone. Because most of us have way more students on our roster than we do showing up each week. So when it comes to staying connected and engaged with students, how can we help our leaders be equipped, be challenged, and supported to lean into everyone on their roster, not just those who show up? One way could simply be by making sure that there's one adult that owns the relationship with each student. Every student on your roster should have an adult who takes responsibility for engaging that student regardless of how often they show up. There should also be some sort of system to help your leaders know how and when to engage with them. Having a system just means that we don't leave the important things to chance. For instance, having a system that has small group leaders connecting digitally to every student at least once per month not only helps that student feel more connected to their faith community, but it also gives your leadership some different metrics to measure your impact versus just attendance. So yes, being able to tell your leadership that you had 34 students show up at least once to in-person environments this month is great, but also being able to tell them that small group leaders reached out to 97 students over the course of the past month could really help your leadership get a better picture of what's happening. Another mindset shift is the importance of the ministry of digital presence in the life of our students. See, one thing digital ministry offers us is proximity. When Jesus called the disciples to follow him, they spent 24-7 together. Life and discipleship clearly looks a little different in 2022. And digital proximity is different from physical proximity, but we have to recognize what digital proximity offers us. 
So in what ways can we build a digital discipleship strategy that leans into the value of proximity with all of our students, not just the ones that show up into our spaces? There's this piece to our digital presence that involves social media. Us being present where they are present, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, I think those things matter. But depending on algorithms, your Instagram post, it might only hit 3 to 8% of your followers. That doesn't mean that we don't lean into that and have the best strategy that we can there. But what are our options to increase the proximity and the personal side of your digital strategy? Now, texting can get messy. There should absolutely be some boundaries and accountability with how you set that up with your group. But with an open rate above 95%, depending on which statistics you read, there's too much opportunity for proximity with students to ignore. And this is where the voice of your digital discipleship strategy shifts a little bit. When it comes to your social media, your voice there is most often the ministry leader or it's the ministry itself. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think that we'd probably all agree that discipleship happens best in community. And for most of your students, the staff person is not the one leading the students in most faith community. It's a volunteer small group leader. So when it comes to your texting strategy, yes, you should be leaning into services like Remind or Easy Text for all group texting, but you also need to build some systems that prompt your small group leaders to keep digital proximity with their few, whether they're showing up in person or not. And when we prompt our leaders to reach out, we might wanna give them some templates because what often happens when we reach out to students who haven't been around physically, we tend to say things like, hey, haven't seen you in a while, or uh, hey, we've missed you, we hope to see you soon. And I know, we mean well when we say those things, but when that's the focus of us reaching out, a couple of things happen. One is that it often prompts shame or disappointment in the student, that they've let us down or that they've let God down. Two is that it makes it clear to the student that our relationship is based on how often they're showing up to our thing. So let me encourage you, come up with some template texts for your small group leaders to draw from that help them keep things relational. Texts that lean into what we already know about the students are best. Texts like, hey, Parker, how's baseball going? Hey, Paul, don't you have a big band competition coming up? How are you feeling about it? Showing up on their turf digitally by checking in with them over text is a great way to help clarify to the student that our relationship is not dependent on their attendance. Rather, we're in their corner. We're on their side, whether they're showing up when we want them to or not. But remember, the most important thing about reaching out to students that you are investing in, it's not whether they respond, but it's what you're reminding them of. That's an encouragement that we need to remind ourselves and our leaders of. It's so easy to get discouraged by social media posts, not getting likes or comments, videos, not getting views, emails, not getting open, texts, not getting responded to. But it's not always about the content or the response. Sometimes it's just about the proximity and our digital presence in their lives, reminding them that we're there, which often reminds them that God is there. So we don't reach out to students so that they can respond and we feel better about ourselves. We reach out to them because we care about them, that we're interested in them, in their world, and that we're reminding them that we're in their corner. So those are a few mind shift changes that I think are important for us to have some good digital discipleship 
strategies. I want to shift now, and I want to get really practical for the next few minutes. So here are some practical tips that I would love for you to think about. Number one, when it comes to your titles, choose clear over clever. An example of this is anything you upload to YouTube. A few folks that I have read have suggested that your titles on YouTube should correlate with a question that students might be asking or searching for. So for that teaching video that you post to YouTube, don't just title it the name and the week of the series that you're on, but in that title, include a question that the week of content in that series is getting at. Next up, curate and contextualize. One of the challenges that so many of us have faced over the past couple years is what I like to call innovation devastation. We've just gotten so burned out on having to create so many things. There's for sure a difference between copying, though, versus curating and contextualizing. Don't do the exact same thing that another church did just because it worked for them. Curating and contextualizing means that you're always taking ideas that would fit in your community, and then you're changing them to make them fit better. I'm definitely not telling anybody just to copy off anybody else, but I would encourage you not to bind yourself to the unrealistic and unhelpful standard of feeling like everything that you do needs to be original. Next up, lean into digital strategies for other areas of your ministry. Digital ministry is so much more than social media and texting. Uh, Zoom meetings with your parents or your volunteers, sending out five to 10 minute mini podcasts to your parents or your leaders, hosting Zoom game nights, group chats. I've had conversations with so many leaders who have been shocked at the level of engagement that they get out of Zoom parent meetings or by sending out two minute training videos to their leaders every week. Again, we're not talking about replacing physical opportunities, but to enhance and do things that those can't. Now let's talk about platforms for a minute. There are a lot of platforms out there. And in my research, here are the main players right now, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. None of those are probably a surprise to you. I keep talking about Dave's new book, I apologize, but there are some really great practical pieces in there. I want you to take a look at some of these charts that could really be helpful when it comes to your strategy with these platforms. This first one is called Repurpose On Purpose, and it walks through a funnel of what content, what kind of content fits best where. And this one is hitting different kinds of social media categories when we post to different platforms. I know that wasn't long enough to really get everything out of those charts, but stick around for the Q&A and we'll give you a website. You can access those or you can hop back to that link I told you to write down at the beginning. Other platforms that we might wanna pay attention to are Discord. All right, Discord is often centered around gaming, but it's really becoming broader than that. And we're hearing a lot of great stories from some student ministries having success with this. Twitch is another gaming-centered platform that might be worth looking into. Um, WhatsApp, GroupMe, group texting, um, Remind, Easy Text that we talked about earlier. We might not view these as social media, but it's definitely an aspect of a digital strategy that will make a lot of sense. Podcasts, they might not be relevant to some of your younger students, but still a great platform to look into, especially for your parents and leaders. Let's talk about apps for a minute. There's two that I wanna highlight. The first one is ParentQ. This app can be a huge part of your digital plan to partner 
with parents. There's just so much low-hanging fruit with it, and there's even a way for you to upgrade so that you can customize it specifically for your church. Orangeapps.church if you want to learn more about ParentQ. The other one is the Bible app from Life Church. It has some unbelievable resources on there, and we actually utilize it here at Orange. Every XP3 series that we have has a reading plan on the Bible app to go with it. It's also available on their website. And you can even do these reading plans as groups. It's super cool. It is totally worth checking out. One last one to keep an eye out for is VR or virtual reality. It's a fairly new piece, but one that could become more and more important as the years go by. The Oculus app was actually the most downloaded app in the United States on Christmas Day. Do you know what app was most globally downloaded on Christmas Day this last year? TikTok. Bonus points if you knew that. So there are a lot of platforms out there. I'm not necessarily saying that you need to be on all of them, but keeping a pulse on what's out there and what your students are on is really important. What's also important as we talk about platforms is remembering and recognizing that a lot of our middle school students don't even have access to these platforms, either because they're not old enough or their parents just don't want them on there. So if we're talking nonstop, about Instagram with our middle school students, we have to realize that most of them aren't even legally old enough to be on there until they're 13 years old. That's true of most social media platforms. And that's where something like group texting can really be a win. So maybe finding ways to not just post things to social media, but maybe there are some group text threads where you can send the the same pictures and captions and messages so those students don't feel left out. There's this important but really challenging dance of being where students are, having that digital proximity with them, but also helping them navigate the challenges of technology. So our next tip is don't just have a digital presence in their life, but talk with your students regularly about having a healthy relationship with technology. Look for ways on a regular basis to talk about the the benefits and the hazards of technology and social media. The idea probably calls for a week or a series in and of itself every single year, but also look for ways to just talk about it on a regular basis. Resource your parents, help your students develop the skills and the tools to use technology wisely. Next up, and you've probably heard this before, so I'm going to move through it really quick. But I've often heard Gen Z referred to as a generation of producers. They want to create, and they love watching things their friends and their peers have created. So the more you include your own students in this process, the better it's going to be across the board. What should you post? Uh, What kind of content should you try to create? What should it look like? What should it feel like? What kind of questions should it answer? The more that you can invite students into that process, the more likely that your content is going to be relevant and the more excited your students will be in sharing that with their friends. Finally, I want to throw out a few names of folks that you should write down to keep learning from when it comes to this idea of digital discipleship. I've already mentioned two of them. One is Dave Adamson, who I have already talked about. I hope this didn't feel like a commercial for his book, but it is awesome and it's available in the conference store, orangestore.com. Check it out. Another is Nona Jones. She's a pastor and she actually leads the faith-based division at Facebook. Another is Brady Shears. He's got some great ideas. He's a great follow on Instagram. Jay Cranda has some great ideas and free resources. Alan George has been pioneering a lot of digital ministry with Life Church in Oklahoma City for years. 
Justin Piercy from Connexus Church is another one to keep an eye out for. And finally, I love what Taylor Terpstra and Sandals Youth is doing out in California. Sandals was one of the first student ministries to hire someone to really focus mainly on digital discipleship strategies. And Taylor recently did a podcast with our friend Todd Pounder, walking through how they do things at Sandals. So if you Google Taylor Terpstra Sandals Youth Podcast, it should be one of the top results. I think I've probably overwhelmed you enough at this point, but remember, you can get all these notes, brettryantally.com slash OC22. But before we jump into the Q&A, one more quick thing. Aim for faithfulness. I don't know about you, but it is so easy for me to leave conferences bummed out. I mean, I show up and I get inspired and it's great, but I also leave with a list of like five pages long of what I'm not doing well or not doing at all. Maybe it's just a me thing. I don't know. But with something like digital discipleship, it can be so easy to get to that place, frustrated, overwhelmed, just feeling ineffective. And I just want to say thank you for what you're doing to tell students about Jesus and to help them become more like him. Don't grade yourself in likes and in views and in comments. Focus on faithfulness. As we lead our students and our leaders and our parents, what does it look like for us to be faithful to God and to them? Influence, impact, effectiveness. I think all of those things are good for us to lean into and strategize around. But ultimately, as you process all of this, I wanna encourage you to focus on faithfulness over anything else. So how can you use technology in your own ministry to help your students become more like Jesus? We want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Think Orange Podcast. If you like this episode, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and to share this episode. And if you want to be a part of more conversations like this one, get your tickets to Orange Conference 23 at theorangeconference.com. We'll see you next time on the Think Orange Podcast.